0: Hello and welcome to the podcast of tech.eu. I am your host, Andrew Daigler. First of all, sorry for the delay with this week's episode. I have been having some technical difficulties on my end, and I'm actually now on holiday until the end of next week, so I don't really have my audio gear with me. But again, that does not have to stand between you and your weekly dose of European tech news. So, this episode may be a bit shorter than usual, and it may sound a bit different, but I will still do my best to cover some of the most important stories from across the continent. Later on, I will also play you an interview with Christopher Plantner, the CEO and founder of Contest, and that is a German fintech startup that offers an interesting combination of banking for freelancers with tax advisory. Now let us take a glimpse at this week's news. And the most important piece of news, of course, is that TechEU team has grown once again. We have been strengthened by Dan Taylor, a writer, photographer and podcaster, but also an old friend and a great human being. I have asked Dan to record an introduction to play on the show for all of you, so here it comes.
1: Well, all right, all right, all right, all right. This is Dan Taylor. How you doing, Andre? I am so excited. I am honored and pleased to be joining the Tech.eu team. I will be serving as the European News Desk Editor. And after a week of doing this, I already understand why it's referred to as the News Desk Grinder. Uh, It is a very fast-paced job. It is uh, right out there on the limb, and basically my job is to get the news out to you, dear listeners, as fast as I possibly can, and hopefully put a little bit of this common sense brain that I have in my head behind it. So I am... Tremendously looking forward to working further and more and deeper and harder and faster with the tech.eu team. I know I got some huge shoes to fill with Annie. Annie, thank you so much for the handover. It was absolutely fantastic. And Robin, I do want to take at least three seconds and thank you for the opportunity to work with tech.eu. It is a huge honor. I hope not to let you down. I hope not to let me down. And most importantly, dear readers, listeners, and viewers, maybe, I hope to not let you down. And hopefully you'll hear the sounds of my dulcet tones on this podcast again in the near coming future. Once again, this is Dan Taylor from London signing out.
0: So notice that amazing radio voice
1: right there. In the coming weeks, you
0: should indeed expect to hear more of Dan on the show and also in our Clubhouse events, which you all should definitely attend if you are already on that platform. Dan, welcome to the team and I'm very excited to everything that we are going to be doing together. Now, let us talk about the money. As was expected, Klarna has indeed raised 1 billion US dollars at a mammoth valuation of 31 billion US dollars, which makes Klarna the highest valued private fintech company in Europe and the second highest worldwide, rivaled only by Stripe, as reported by our own Dan Taylor. In the meantime, we are still waiting for Klarna to announce its public listing, and we'll certainly let you know when that happens. One more funding round that leaked last week but also got confirmed this week is the funding round of Pop-in. The virtual event startup has raised 400 million US dollars at a valuation of 5.65 billion US dollars, which is in line with the rumors that surfaced last week. As expected, the round was co led by new investors Andreessen Horowitz and General Catalyst, and also existing investor IVP, with participation from returning investors CoTu, DFJ Growth, North Zone, Salesforce Ventures, and Tiger Global. Another interesting round this week, German electric air taxi startup Volocopter, which has landed 200 million euros in funding from a whole lot of new and existing investors. It's a huge list. I just will not bore you here and go ahead and check out the news piece itself. But the company interestingly claims that its Velocity vehicle is already on track to become the first certified air taxi for cities in the world. Volocopter has raised 322 million euros to date, and it says that it expects its first commercial air taxi routes to be open within the next 2 years. One more significant round for a European startup. Rochlik, an online grocery supermarket from Czechia, has secured 190 million euros. The round was led by Partech, joined by Index Ventures with participation from EBRD, J&T Banker, Capital, R2G, and existing investor Inern. The company aims to grow its business in existing markets, which are Hungary and Austria, where it has some 750,000 customers, but also expand into new ones, particularly in Germany. And speaking of Germany and groceries, uh, the Berlin-based grocery delivery startup Flink has just raised 52 million US dollars. The startup operates its own Dark Stores, that is a network of small-scale warehouses where the orders are picked and delivered from. And Flink, which actually means quick in German, is one of the many startups that are focusing on hyper-local delivery, promising to deliver orders in less than 10 minutes. And the last round I wanted to mention today is Atai Life Sciences from Germany, and the company has raised a cool 157 million U.S. dollars at a valuation of north of 2 billion U.S. dollars, which could be its last dose of private funding before going public. The company is working in mental health space, and namely, it looks into using psychedelic substances, particularly uh, psilocybin, to treat mental health disorders. As reported by Bloomberg, I quote, Atai is acquiring and incubating treatments for conditions including depression, anxiety, addiction, and other mental health disorders. The company has more than a dozen drug candidates in trials. And by the way, have I mentioned SPACs already? No, I don't think so. So let's fix that right now. The UK government is looking to attract more tech companies to list in London, but that's not really news. The news is that it may start by relaxing the rules for SPACs or blank check companies to operate in the country. This was one of the recommendations that came out of a review commissioned by the government and led by former EU financial stability chief Lord Jonathan Hill. The other recommendations mentioned in that review are to allow dual class share structures to give founders more control and reduce free flows requirements to avoid diluting early backers in a statement uk finance minister rishi sunak said the following we asked lord hill to lead this review because we wanted bold ideas the uk is one of the best places in the world to start grow and list a business and we are determined to enhance this reputation now we have left the eu the quote ends On this note, it is time to move on to today's interview with Christopher Plantener, the CEO and founder of Contest.
2: So, hey, this is Robin Walters from Tech.U, and I'm joined here today, remotely, of course. First interview in 2021 with Chris Plantener. He is the founder and CEO of a company called Contest in Berlin, which is a neobank specifically targeting freelancers, and online businesses uh, for for banking services, if I got that correctly. Chris, welcome to the show, and please correct me if I was wrong.
3: No, you were exactly right, and so
2: nice, and I didn't even know that I'm your first guest this year. What an honor. It is absolutely an honor from my side as well. Uh, For those who don't know you or don't know Contest for that matter, please give us a bit of a background of history of the company.
3: Yeah, sure, sure, sure. So we are, as you said, like a a neo bank. I think I explain a bit because we are we are more than that. I would argue, but that's at least what we started. Just about uh, five years ago, I like grouped my my team around me. We only like in 2017, then really went live um, with, with our product. And we have been like really focusing and specializing and offering like um, a bank account for freelancers. So freelancers, the new um, kind of uh, model of work, I would argue, um, is, is really our, our sweet spot. Um, how comes uh, I've been like an entrepreneur um, all my life, started eight Companies have been like freelancing, also bit bigger companies, of course. And, and I've always had this feeling that kind of we get completely put uh, in second row when it comes to like banking services and other others. So at some point, I decided, okay, that has to stop. We have to basically offer. But um, banking is not enough, as I just said. I'm, I'm sure we're going to talk about this a bit further down the line, but we really see the holistic um, kind of service offerings um, um, around a freelancer like banking as such is not a big problem for the freelancer, right? You can in Germany even use your private bank account if you want to. It's not advisable, but you're legally allowed to do this. But what is the real problem? You are sitting in Belgium, live there as well. I know in Belgium, it's not different than Germany. In many other European countries, it's really the administration and the taxes, right? I mean, we as a one-man show, uh, solo entrepreneur, what really costs us a shitload of time and sometimes brings us to, to, you know, complete uh, explosion is uh, all the I admin, mean, the accounting, the tax declaration, the putting aside the taxes, you often have a lot of money on your bank account. But what is really yours in this moment? What can I actually spend? What I have to maybe pay to this source, this source, the state, the taxes? So what we actually have uh, started to do this summer is we have uh, now on top of our bank account, um, we launched basically a tax service um, where we do like the full tax declaration, both private and business for the freelancer. And we do completely automatic um, accounting for the guy as well, and all that based on your bank account. So today, if you say we are a neo bank, I would argue yes, a t- neo bank and a, a modern tech-enabled
2: uh, tax advisory. That's actually kind of what we're doing. Right. So Neobank as a start and then expanding it to other services. I'm wondering, though, because if you offer banking services in the beginning, it's relatively easy from a regulatory and procedure standpoint. Banking is not that dissimilar in different countries. Of course, if you move into things like tax advisory, then it becomes a lot more complicated. So does that, you know, being in Europe and offering your services to European freelancers, is that a problem or is that an opportunity? Because it's so difficult and complex to solve that for them
3: to start with right now we are of course very much focusing on on Germany and that's also where it stays. I have the previous um, uh, 15 years before starting Contist. I had basically several accounting companies Um, the the last one was was Tour, where we were actually in all European markets Um, I have been part, as part of Tour at the time we bought like a tax advisory chain in Spain for example so I've done a lot of in UK in France, in Belgium everywhere so yes this is a very local market and I don't, it is not as easily scalable, right, as as doing a bank account. But if you look at this um, from a a German perspective, I mean, I don't think there is any other European market which is as broken when it comes to basically taxes than Germany. It's it's a complete nightmare, right? I often talk to like other neobanks, particularly in the UK, which has been like very, very, like it's the most successful neobank market in in Europe, right? And there always tell me, like, the banking market in, in the UK was really broken, right? That's why uh, they have been so successful. And if I look at the numbers of, of customers in, in the SME, uh, neo-banking market in the UK, it's amazing. I mean, Germany is tiny compared to what they those guys are doing, Right. But if you are basically looking at the tax market, I see UK is much more advanced um, than, than, for example, Germany. There's a big opportunity and the German tax market is eight times bigger than the German banking market for small businesses. Right. So in that sense, we will be really focusing and continue to focus on that. But having said that, I think if we break the German tax market and really manage to do this completely automated without touching anything, you're just using our bank account and we can do the rest, I'm pretty sure we can do it in France and Belgium or in Spain afterwards, right? This is then relatively
2: easy compared to the challenge we will be facing in Germany. Okay. Well, you already sort of touched upon this this fact, but... There are a lot of neobanks out there, increasingly offering, offering also different services uh, to their core banking offering uh, over the years. You know, Monzo, the N26s and the revolutes of this world. Uh, will they, you think, eventually move into this space also, like tax advisory and, and auditory services, for example? Um, for the time being, there is there are very few
3: players. Um, one in Brazil, I've I've recently, or they contacted me and said that they are following um, us. So I was very proud of that. But um, and in in France, uh, the, the, there were some guys shine. They were called. They were also a bit in this space. Um, we were uh, we were in. So there, but but very very few. I mean, most I just came come out of a call with another B two C neobank, which we are thinking of partnering, and they. Are are going heavily into trading and stuff. So that seems to be, right, if I'm looking at Revolut, for example, I mean, there's international trade, but then also, I mean, a lot of them go in additional services, right? Taxes, as I said, is a very national thing. And for all of the neobanks, which actually rather scaling internationally, it doesn't make a lot of sense to do this, right? So you really have to look at the few neobanks which have been deciding to really stay local, Right? For them, it makes sense, but it will also only make sense if you're really having this kind of customer group. Even for us, if we, for example, we only do freelancers, we don't do like a Germany GmbHs, like limited companies, right? And we deliberately don't do this because those guys, we could actually not serve scalably with our model. The taxation in the back works very differently for a freelancer than for like a registered or limited company, right? So in that sense, having really this focus on freelancers and there haven't, except for Shine, I haven't uh, seen another player in Europe which has this focus, right? And then I do believe that it is possible to actually go into this tech side, right? Having said that, that there is a big trend. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, with uh, the German company TaxFix, which are now going also in other markets. They're very successful. So we have, I uh, since two years or so, we are seeing a trend in the market, also in the VC market and stuff like this, that tax products are on Vogue and have been financed heavily. It's traditionally B2C, like typically B2C for the time being. But if you look, it's always the same story, right? If, if there's a trend in B2C, then then 2 3 years later at the last it they basically uh, come to the b2b place we are very early on this but i do expect next year and the following year that there's also a lot of b2b players which will be coming in, into our space but i do expect they're not coming from the banking space but they will actually be coming from a lot i mean from the accounting space right from the direct from the tech space so i think several people will try to do the same with we do, but coming from different angles
2: that also makes you an interesting target, I would assume, for some of the big companies, but we can talk about that later. One follow-up question to what you just said that I had, and it's a bit of a devil's advocate question. If you're moving into these tech services for freelancers, which you say is a very sizable market, it's bigger than, than banking, then what's to stop you from actually ditching all of the neobank stuff and just going with the tax advisory and the tech services only and then you know, driving innovation there?
3: Yeah, so it's 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 a very good question. Believe me, I have spent so many hours discussing this internally with investors and and the force and the force. I do think that what makes us very unique and what nobody has ever done. Definitely in Germany, um, but also, I, as I said, I don't see it in, in, in Europe or I haven't seen it somewhere else, is really coming from the bank account and actually from there going into the tax space. Why is the bank account interesting? Because it's a single place where all my data is already today, right? So so actually, um, I don't have to ask the user for a receipt. I have the data. I have the data in real time when it actually happens, right? So all of the tedious things, as I said, I've done, I've sold and built, um, accounting systems for 15 years before. And we were always chasing and, oh, you have to upload the receipts, but I don't know, you know, I don't know exactly when the user has the receipt in my hand. I can only see it like a couple of days later when I have the banking data and then I can remind him, but then he's already lost it and so forth and so forth. So really having this, this, the, the, the bank as a central place to start with right, is, 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 is really what makes it um, very, very different. And nobody is today, I mean, you're not using your bank um, account to administrate your taxes, aren't you, right? Um, it's, a, it's a new concept, right, which I do believe makes a hell of a difference because users log into their bank account actually several times a day on average. Right, uh, you want to see if an invoice is paid, what's going right, if they're using their card, they get a push notification, all these kind of things. And that means that on the side, they can do all these tax things. Otherwise, taxes work this way that you put everything in a bucket and leave it there. And then, one and a half years later, Germany, when you actually have to do your taxes for the, you know, I, I now need to do my taxes for 2019, basically, then you need to. Get everything together and put it uh, put it aside. So actually, having the bank account as a central point could be this ingenious, secret kind of source of success, which actually gives us this competitive edge, which other tax companies and there's a lot of people who do taxes, the big four and the force and force do it as well, right? Which makes a real um, difference, and that's what where where we believe where how we differentiate ourselves. Actually, out there,
2: right? Yeah. Great. Huh? So with this positioning, having started the company about five years ago, um, you sort of dropped off our map. I, I checked on you, I looked up uh, Contest, and I think the last article was about, uh, it was actually more than two years ago when you raised your Series A funding. Uh, what has happened since then? Like, uh, You don't have to share specific customer numbers, but how is how, the company doing, essentially? I mean from, from when when around this 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 uh, round
3: size we were still like a nice and tiny company. We had like thirty employees, now we are like more than hundred. I think we definitely more than tripled um, our amount of customers and stuff like this. We, at the time, I mean, we got the investment from the, from how for international user, that's not a name for German users, is there, it's the, like, the, by far the market leader in accounting software in Germany, uh, we have done a lot of, like, research, we had actually built a lab with them, where we did, like, a lot of research, user research, which has ultimately led, you know, to the, to this new, like, tax service, right, so I would say, uh, without going into, I've already talked a lot about this. Is, is really to say that that we this transition from being like a standalone um, banking app to really saying that you know the future also in terms of monetization right? Which is the, the big problem everybody is asking to all of the players out there, right? It's kind of how to make money in the, in the future. There is a big group, which, which is going into trading as, uh, as one of the senses of, uh, of the others to upselling of, of insurances and this and that. But we are really, um, done a lot of research in this space and believe that taxes is basically from a monetization point of view, the future. And I would say that is what we have done in the past, um, Um, two years and no wonder you haven't heard about us because it's more like a silent approach rather than a big bang right Uh, next financing round or something like that
2: well that's a great summary Um, I should assume that this also peaks The interest of uh, investors. You already sort of briefly mentioned that the VC interest in in fintech in general, of course, is is rising across Europe. We're about to put out a report that uh, acknowledges that. Um, Monster rounds of funding, uh, lots of money going into this ecosystem for good reason, because there's some really good solutions, I think, on a global scale out there. Um, So when's uh, when's your next round uh, being closed? (laughs)
3: i mean it's 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 not a secret that we are like in 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 heavy round uh, negotiations and i i do hope uh, that during the first half of this year we will actually uh, cl- close around we have some commitments but the round is still kind of open um so 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 that's that.
2: that's that okay um well we'll see when the news hits um, as i mentioned earlier i think what you're doing put sort of an acquisition target on your back as well. Have you had any conversations in the past few years about that? And do you think those, those conversations will, will increase in number in the next, uh, in the near future?
3: Yeah, it's it's um it it, it always happens um in, in, in waves like that. Um of course on a regular basis so far um the two most serious were actually like some some banks abroad which wanted to basically take the product um uh, to to completely new and other markets and stuff I guess we have had long negotiations the, the issue with banks are always a bit that they are pretty uh, slow and very time consuming and as a startup eventually I, I'm always if somebody knocks my door I'm always talking to people no you know I, why, why not right but as a startup you have to be very careful with your kind of time and resources you have very little and as a bank they have endless and um, then these talks sometimes simply end because I'm just like guys I cannot do this process for one year with you right I mean you need to Make a decision what you want to do. But I do expect um, that to happen. And um, I do also definitely i mean i do expect there there will be some some interest now on the on the tax um, advisory part but but there due to it's it's a market which is so much more regulated in germany than in any other european country actually i mean the eu is heavily knocking on germany's door um um to to basically try to get european regulations to work in our country but it's it's basically not so i do expect that people are first awaiting that um, legislation is eased a bit in Germany and that we are also approving our point Um, if we can actually prove to a bank that we can on scale uh, do this right and just you know for to put things into context an average tax advisor in Germany handles um, 150 uh, clients Right, it's 80,000 of them. It's a completely like um, a market. It's not possible for VC players to actually invest in this market. Regulation forbids it. So we have found kind of a new model of operating in this market. And if we manage uh, just for the tax product for the banking, we have, of course have much more customers. But for the tax product to reach 20,000 customers to handle with one unit, right? This would be a revolution in Germany nobody has ever done this right now in the UK in Spain and other countries you can smile about that but that's just basically um, um how the the regulatory market works and if we manage to prove this I do think that not only one person will be company will be knocking on our our door of course right then we have really shown a new model for Germany
2: yeah, well, you're painting a very interesting uh, future picture, so we'll be uh, watching with interest. Um, but I'm wondering, so for, for for me or listeners without any deep knowledge about the German fintech scene, uh, because, you know, the UK gets most of the attention. Uh, it's also where most of the funding is going. Uh, but I feel like Germany is catching on. Solaris Bank and then 26 and in between you know, tax fix that you mentioned. I think I see a lot of money going there smart money I see a lot of really innovative solutions coming out of the, the sector but you as an insider like how do you rate the fintech scene over in Germany
3: I mean, um, now I have to be careful because when, you know, when 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 a guy like myself hurts Germany, we always think, who cares about Germany? There's Berlin, right? Um, the, so there's a heavy ri- ri- rivalry inside Germany, right? And, of course, I'm in Berlin and, and we believe we are the very best. But um, having said that…
2: Um, actually, you know what? Before you answer that question, I think it's quite interesting what you just said because… I used to sort of assume that Frankfurt and and Munich were sort of the centers of of the financial services world in Germany. Do you think that's actually shifting to Berlin now? Oh, you it know? has shifted.
3: It's have. I mean, even I don't have the ex, ab, um, absolute numbers, but. Uh, when we really uh, look Fintech, of course, traditional banking is still is still Frankfurt, but if we look Fintech and just measure it on the amount of jobs there are, then by far Berlin. Also, I read a report in terms of investment, the biggest chunk goes to Berlin. So, there's no doubt, and I don't think anybody can prove me wrong with numbers, that Berlin is um, um, is absolutely the, the Fintech headquarter of Germany. By far. I mean, forget about Frankfurt and Munich. Um, are they also relevant? For sure. But, but I mean, I mean, I think in, in Europe right now, and this is going to sound arrogant and lived in many countries, so please forgive me for that. But I mean, there is this rivalry between London and and, and Berlin going. And I mean, London, I li- used to live in London as well for a year, so I love the city as well. It's, but of course, I mean, with the Brexit going on, we, everybody will, we will see, right? I mean, what's, what's going to happen if, 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 if England and the UK plays it smart, I would say there is still a chance. Uh, to actually stay the number one, but if uh, if played wrongly, then within the next three or four years, um, Berlin is going to overtake um, uh, London. Right? I mean, London has of course a fascinating dynamic when it comes to uh, to, to fintechs and and the banking space in there. Right? And Berlin doesn't have that. So in a sense, there the, the big banks, as you mentioned before, are in Frankfurt. So it doesn't have this synergies of big banks and fintechs. Here we are just Fintechs, and that's that, right? London has the advantage that they're both the big banks and the fintechs in one spot and that played intelligently could um, uh, could be quite competing but I mean we see a lot of people knocking at our door right now not only since since the 1st of January but already in the last uh, one or two years knocking on our door and moving over and I've seen Revolut shifted now not to Germany but uh, I think uh, Lithuania or Estonia something like that right for there so I mean people are moving away from the UK right and and, and if you are not uh, careful uh, you will not be able to, to to secure this market right so I do definitely see that it's it's good and there is we talked before this recording started quickly about that um, there is still a competitive side uh, to Berlin in terms of like housing is still considerably cheaper right so I would say the average living standard from a startup salary in, in Berlin is still better but of course the prices increase heavily here as well so yeah um, But it will take a time until we catch up to London, right? I mean, (laughs) it's pretty (laughs) high, the the benchmark there.
2: (laughs) Actually, that was going to be my next question. Like, what's the hiring situation in Berlin? Do you find it easy to find uh, the right kind of people for, for what you're recruiting for in the city? Or do you need to recruit outside and bring them in? I mean,
3: when, when we look at, um, like, like, of course, taxes and stuff like this, because we are in the beginning of the wave, it's, it's, it's pretty easy, right? It's nobody, uh, like we are competing with regular tax advisors and of course, uh then we are the cooler kids on the block, right? So that's that's pretty um, that's that's pretty um, okay. Although generally in the tax space in Germany, the market is empty for employees, right? It's that's uh, the biggest reason why other tax advisors cannot grow is because they don't find employees. But there we have a competitive advantage when it comes to tech, Um, we get almost, I would say, 90% of our applicants are outside of Germany. But because of Germany made it super easy with uh, Green Card and everything to come to Germany, we can offer to everybody, you know, no problem. If you have a university degree, for sure, and a certain salary level, which all um, um, developers have, right, we can get you from any country of the world, and we're doing so. Right. We are currently due to Corona, of course, having a lot of remotes as well. We are so generally our team, I would say, is anyway, 50-50 Germany and other countries. Right. And let's see how this is going to be after Corona. But if we were to purely hire in Berlin um, for people which are already there, I think we would be dead. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it, it's, uh, the competition is extremely high and there's so many tech,
2: uh, also cool tech companies there. It's uh, it's it's really... I, guess, yeah. I guess that's also one, one of these things with the coronavirus pandemic is that it levels the playing field. Now that everyone can hire remotely, we're also sort of competing for, for the best people to work in a, in a distributed way. You mentioned that you don't yet know how this is going to play out after the pandemic though. Uh, But I'm wondering, has the the way that you hire people and the way that you're scaling the company, has it changed, you know, from pre-pandemic and then in 2020? um strangely enough
3: not yet we actually had a so as i said it's it's pri- this remote is primarily in the dev side and we actually had a change in ctos and and uh, my previous cto um, as it was very much he liked to hire people all over this place with a new cto um uh, we are more thinking of maybe having one specific uh ukraine where like development hub next to berlin something like that and we haven't started to execute these, these Plans. But what I did say to everybody is uh, during the pandemic, I said to everybody, okay, we can anyway not be in the office. So why don't you use uh, the chance and go somewhere? right and really try it out right so now uh, one of my key dev is uh, in in dubai as i just uh, learned today actually hanging out with with his wife and the kids and everybody there and, and enjoying it and others are uh, in, in in vietnam and what do i know and so forth so i do think that people at least in our company have encouraged them i said there's a chance right let's everybody try to use it and see how it works and we just did a survey i don't know the result last week where we asked everybody how, how would you like to work after the pandemic right and for me and myself I definitely see that I, I miss the office I miss uh, the people as a leadership I think it's very difficult I also have a like a big heart for like company culture I want to really do something outstanding we have our bar in the office we have a lot of things for people to hang out and do things and the force and I really I find it very difficult to not be able to look people in the eyes when I talk, right? And sitting in my room here in in Berlin, it feels, it's not very motivating. I miss this but I, I i do know and i do respect that as well lo- as well that a lot of like people in product and the development which really like their silent thing um work and so forth, they will actually appreciate uh, to be more remote and i do know that if this is requested by everybody in the company that we will also kind of continuously making this open but but at least once a month or um, I, I wish, I hope for, I pray for that once a month we can group again and have this vivid kind of culture of being together. Um, because I think for a startup, that's the reason why you hire for a startup. No, I mean, if you want to have a remote job, something like this, you can also work for IBM and have a peaceful and and cool job, I'm pretty sure, right? If you want to have this vivid and lively and cool culture with international people and doing something, um, also like... A lot of our people are young people, right? Which which are what, in average, maybe maybe I don't know, uh, in in their early to mid 30s, right? And many of them are singles. I really feel for them right now in the pandemic. It must be horrible, right? But, but the advantage is also that I can say to the people, you come to Berlin, you experience that, uh, you can hang out with everybody, uh, t- try the Berlin nightlife, go to Berkheim, do all these kind of things, right? That's part of, of the package of what you're offering when you come to Berlin and work for a startup as well, right? So yep. take that away.
2: I, I wouldn't true. want to do that personally. True, and I don't think you're the only one. Um, very final question. Um, Started about five years ago. Where do you see Contest? Well, actually, do you think you achieved what you planned out to do five years ago when you started the company today? And where do you see Contest in five years from now? Double question.
3: Hmm. So have I achieved what I wanted to achieve? I mean, in terms of, of course, founders are always uh, ambitious, and was uh, have I? I was definitely more ambitious than what I've achieved, right? On on the one hand side, on the other hand side, as I said, I started eight companies. All of them still exist, but I'm not saying that they are kind of uh, multinationals at all and stuff. I guess I also do know that um, I don't know how many after five years. I think it is. I don't have the exact number, but max twenty percent of all startups which still alive, right? So actually, having been there, having a successful uh, company uh, to that point does make me make me proud. But I did wish uh, definitely that we were further, as I think any founder always hopes. Um, having said that, uh, um, said that uh, in five years, if we have really um, conquered. Uh, the, the, the the tax market and proven, as I said before, that we can, uh, you know, 20, 30, 40,000 customers handle that with one like unit in Germany completely automated, right? That the person, I just need to tell them, you knew, you, you uh, use our bank account and the taxes are done for you, right? Then I would basically say I have accomplished my vision. I used to live uh, 10 years in Denmark and in Denmark, You always, I mean, it's for the rest of Europe, definitely for Germany in terms of technology, I always say we are 10, 15 years ahead of time when it comes to like automation, digitalization and stuff. And there, you know, at the the beginning of next year, I uh, log into my bank account and more or less my taxes is done. I don't need to do anything. If we manage to get that for freelancer done in Germany, then I have done such a big uh, thing for Germany <laughs> in general in terms of digitalization I do think that I can say
2: hallelujah we have not only brought this company but also this country to a new level and that would be my ambition that's a fantastic note to end on um, thank you so much for your time I'm looking forward to, to reading more news about Contest this year I'm sure it's going to happen uh, you'll be back on you in no time I'm sure um, thank you so much for your time best of luck with the company and um, stay safe
3: Thank you so much, very nice conversation, thank you.
0: And this is it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if that place has a possibility to rate and review the show, please do that as well. It helps us grow enormously. Audio engineering for this podcast is done by SoundPulse. That is Your questions, suggestions, and opinions are very welcome. Send them to podcast at tech.eu. Also, there is always our voicemail inbox at tech.eu slash voicemail. Head over there, speak your mind, and get featured on one of our next episodes tech.eu slash voicemail. We are always happy to hear your voices. Thank you so much. This was TechEU podcast. I am Andre Daigler and I will talk to you again next week. For now, take care and enjoy the weekend. Bye-bye.